Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Port here on 970 WDAY. I'm uh, happy to be with you. We are operating under some technical difficulties. We've had a little bit of a power outage, so I'm uh, being forced to uh, phone it in today in a literal sense. Natil, how the heck are you today? I'm doing a lot better than you are, apparently. It must not be. Yeah, I, I well, we had, um, I, I, I don't know what happened. We, we've lost power up here uh, in Minot, so for, for today, we're, uh, we're doing it by the telephone. We do have a good show coming up. Uh, Dan, uh, State Representative Dan Fabian from Minnesota is going to be on. He had a letter to the editor uh, talking about the headline was Stop Stalling on Enbridge Project. He's talking about the Line 3 replacement project, which is, uh, well, I, it's, it's, been, it's been reviewed by regulators since 2014, and he thinks it's starting to take too long. Uh, there has been some, I, I, I don't, I don't want to say protests, but obviously pipelines are controversial, and there has been political acrimony over this one. Uh, and he's saying, you know what, let's get on with it already. We'll have him on coming up here at uh, 135. Plus your phone calls and email, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, email talk at WDAY.com. Um, and, and first off, Natil, I, I, and I, I, I got a... I'm, I'm at a loss here today because I keep all my notes and everything on the computer. So uh, this is going to be a little bit disjointed today. But, Natil, you know, I had a – I don't know if you noticed, I was on the front page of some newspapers over the weekend. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was um, – yeah, they, they, that profile – I think we talked about it a little bit on Friday. They we wrote did. a profile about me, about, um, you know, the blog and where I live and all sorts of stuff, which was – Going through that process, Sam Easter wrote it. I thought he did a great job. Um, going through that process and answering questions, it was excruciating. Um, I am not the sort of person who likes to spend a lot of time talking about himself, but yet in that situation, you know, obviously that's the whole point. So I'm sitting there, I'm answering questions, I'm trying to talk to this guy, and it was the whole process was excruciating for me. Just brutal. But uh, overall, I, I think it turned out pretty good. Well, that's great, and because it was it was for the Grand Forks Herald initially, right? Yeah, uh, well, it was on it was in the forum, it was in the Herald, it was in the press, it was it was in a lot of them, and I, I think it was on the front page of both the forum and the Herald. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so I guess you know, kind of a kind of a big deal. Um, well, I guess if we want to you know, know it what was... dark secrets Rob Port revealed about himself, we'll have to uh, go by the newspaper. Yeah, that's right. Well, it was online, too, and I, I linked to it from the blog if anybody missed it. And the interesting thing is some of the criticism that has come from it. Um, I don't know if you know this about me, Natil. I tend to be sort of a polarizing guy. <gasps> no way. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's been interesting. You know, there's actually a letter to the editor today uh, by a Richard Schaefer, and he, he goes through this thing, you know, why didn't you pick somebody with more integrity to profile and uh, you know, goes down it. And it's it's funny because he kind of splits. Like he says, he, he met me one time and he liked me, although I guess I don't remember that. Uh, and then he, he goes on to, to sort of describe this caricature I, of, of, I think, what a liberal thinks of a conservative and accuses me of being against women's rights and minority rights. And uh, I'm a climate change denier. And down, on down this litany, even up to the point where he accuses me of, of supporting one religion which just kind of floored me. I, I mean, it's so clear how many of the responses from people like him were based on my politics and not necessarily my work product, because he's accusing me of, of supporting one religion. Well, I'm an atheist. 
I don't really have a dog in a hunt for any religion, let alone one religion. I'm not a theist. I'm not out to promote theology in any sense. Now, I very much support religious freedom. I very much support the freedom of all people of faith to express it or to not express anything at all. Uh, but it's been interesting to watch how many of these these critics or, or whatever that the responses to me uh, are, are based, I, I, I don't think, on any real measure of my work or any any valid criticism of my work. And I'm not saying that I'm above criticism or anything like that, but I, I love it. it's, it's amazing how much of it is just based on he's a conservative, so I hate that guy. I mean, that just seems like what, what a lot of it is. Just he, he disagrees with me politically. He is right of center politically. Therefore, I hate that guy. That's a lot of what I'm hearing. 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, email talk at WDAY.com. Nathiel, you know, the other thing that I thought was funny, this was my favorite, too, are the people who are like, oh, I never read Port. I never read any of his stuff. But then go on to display, like, an intimate knowledge of the stuff that I write about or the stuff that I talk about on this show, right? So it's like they start off saying, oh, I never, you know, I never, they, they want to belittle me by suggesting that I'm not important enough for their attention, but yet they're clearly paying attention. Those are my favorite. I absolutely love that. The cognitive dissonance on display there is just marvelous. And it's amazing how common it is, too. Like, all over Facebook this weekend, it was, I never read Port. He's not worth my time. He's a moron. He's an idiot. And you know what? A lot of those people who are making those comments are listening to this radio show right now. And I got a word for you. You're the morons. (laughs) 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. What were you going to say? A big big problem in that, too, is that you get the the echo chamber effect where one or two of them have probably read a lot of your stuff and discussed it in detail within their own echo chamber. And then that echo chamber sort of just latches on to the idea that Rob Port is a, a bigot or a sexist or whatever it is that they're preaching you are without ever and then the echo chamber doesn't actually go out and form their own opinion they just take the opinion of what they've been told and that sort of reinforces that sort of cognitive dissonance especially for those people well and it's funny too because i you know i'm sort of looking at this reaction to this profile about me and obviously i mean it's very interesting because i mean everybody it forces everybody to talk about me for a while so i guess that's obviously sort of very interesting how people to, to understand how people perceive me, but it's also sort of a microcosm, I think, for what's going on in the larger America, which is just our inability to see somebody or perceive somebody as, as disagreeing with us, as holding different philosophical views or ideological views or partisan views or whatever it is. Just that person disagrees with me, and, and, and an inability by a lot of people to just accept that, to just accept that that person disagrees with me. And you know what? That's okay. And you know what? It's even okay if I read their stuff. It's even okay if I engage with them. Because you know what? Even if I never find myself agreeing with them on anything, it might still illuminate things for me. It might help me better understand my own feelings. It's like that impulse is completely gone. I I don't want to say completely. There are people out there, and I did hear from a lot of them. You know, I I don't agree with you, but I like reading your stuff because it's challenging, and sometimes I do agree. I did get a lot of that stuff. But there is a... There is a very large faction in the public that is having trouble with the idea of people disagreeing. I think it's I think it's hard for a lot of people to just see somebody else who disagrees 
and just 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 accept that. We're going to take a break. This is the Rob Report on 970 WDAY, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be back right after this. Soak away. Welcome back, Rob. Report on nine seventy WDAY seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday dot com. Some technical difficulties today, so broadcasting by way of the telephone and uh, not our usual way because have a little bit of a power outage situation going on. But we're going to get through it because we're troopers, right, Nathiel? We most certainly are. That's just how we roll around here. Uh, we do have a uh, caller, Karen. What's on your mind? You were on the front page of papers. What day was that? That was Saturday. All right. I'll have to stop by at the library and look that up then. Yeah, I'll... no, it, uh, it, 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 it was a nice uh, profile. Uh, Sam Easter was the author. It went very well. Uh, certainly appreciated that. Uh, it, uh, but, and, um, you know, a lot of response to it. You know, a lot of all, all weekend I was fielding uh, emails and, uh, you know, social media messages. And, and again, I mean, it was, it was interesting. I, I don't spend a lot of time like Googling myself or anything. Um, I, a lot of, I, I don't, I, I think it's interesting. I like discussing things with people. I like engaging with people on issues and talking about policy or current events or whatever. I, I mean, I, I obviously I do that for a living. I enjoy it. I wouldn't do this if I didn't enjoy it. I think it's interesting though, in this instance, I guess, to see how people perceive me. And so I, I spent probably a lot more time than usual sort of dwelling on the reactions people have. And it's, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of ugliness out there and I'm sure I'm not the only one. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not the only one who goes through this. I mean, I think anybody who's, um, you know, the other columnists, the other radio hosts or whatever, anybody who's in this position, uh, you know, probably spawns that sort of a reaction. Uh, it's just it's just interesting to feel to, to see what people have to say about you um, and what they're willing to say publicly. I mean, some of the stuff it's it's really remarkable the sort of statements that people will make and then put their names next to them. I mean, the stuff people say on Facebook is just amazing to me sometimes. Well, yeah, and that's a whole that's a whole other ball game. I mean, that's you know, aside from what people are willing to say about public figures, what people are willing to say in general on social media websites is astonishing at times because we've gotten to the point where a generation has grown up with social media and that sense of anonymity that it grants them and no one ever really taught them that they're not really anonymous on the internet nobody's really 100 percent anonymous online and yeah and the things and that it's not just the younger generation i mean but there's i mean there are people of all age groups no yeah the, but um, there's there's that first generation that sort of grew up with social media that are now adults doing this yeah yeah i it's you know like i said it was it was interesting um it, it was an interesting process to go through of you know i'm i'm usually the one i guess shining the light on other people it was interesting to have uh the spotlight shined on on me a little bit um, and it was, I mean, I think it was a balanced piece. I mean, there was praise for me in there. There was some criticism for me in there. 
Uh, former opinion editor Jack Zaleski is not a fan. Um, you know, I, I think he called me irresponsible and, and a number of other things. But, you know, again, I, I think that gets back more so. I think that has less to do with work product and more to do with point of view. Um, you know, there are no, there aren't a lot of conservative viewpoints in the local papers. You know, there just aren't. I mean, you want to talk about regular columnists who write, you know, are writing for the paper. I'm pretty much it in terms of right of center people. Uh, you know, it's, it's me. And I think, uh, I think a lot of people maybe got used to that, used to, you know, those viewpoints sort of being very marginalized and, and now they're not, you know, there's some more balance there. And I think there are some people who, resent that and which you know again gets back to what we were talking about previously where a lot of people just have they have trouble and i i i think this is so central not to not to blow the importance of this profile of, about me out of perspective but I, I i think it's a microcosm for something very larger going on in in america right now which is that people have a hard time accepting differences of opinion people have a hard time if somebody comes along and gets into their bubble, gets into their, their place where, you know, everything agrees with them, and then all of a sudden you've got this person over here who doesn't agree with you, who brings up inconvenient viewpoints, who brings up inconvenient facts, who doesn't just accept your arguments, who challenges them, that's hard for a lot of people. And I, and I don't know where I don't know how we change that. I don't know, was it better in previous generations? I think that's always a dangerous assumption to make. I think that's an assumption we make a lot of the time that things were better in previous generations. And I don't, a lot of the time, I don't think that's actually true, but maybe this was, you know, I mean, maybe social media has fragmented us, maybe all the different, you know, information channels we have available to us. is so fragmented us that we're not used to being, uh, we could sort of exist in a bubble where we're mollycoddled and we're not exposed to, to challenging viewpoints. You know, maybe that's maybe that's going on, and maybe that's something we need to focus some education on is is how to how to get people to be accepting of different viewpoints and not immediately belittle them as as hateful, right? Because I think that's where a lot of it's it's amazing how many times I get accused of being racist or misogynistic or whatever, and I I, I just on, on on no real no real basis at all. I mean, no real facts, no real information. Just, just the accusation thrown out there, and and again, it, it just seems based on the fact that I have right of center viewpoints. Well, we've got a couple right? of minutes left here before we hit the uh, egg news break, and we've got a caller, Jim. Rob, Jim wants to get in on okay. this conversation. All right, Jim, go ahead. Yeah, hi, Rob. Well, you know, take it as a compliment of Jack Zaleski doesn't like you. I mean, that guy—that's like the pot calling the kettle black. That guy's written over his years, written so many hit pieces and thrown so many bombs at people. It's ridiculous. That guy, I don't, he never should. What is it? The, the old uh, Terry Devine would be rolling in his grave if he knew what Jack Zaleski had done to that paper. You know, as far as other people, they don't like your opinion. Well, tough. You know, if they have to just go around throwing names at you and calling you names <clears throat> and insulting you and personal attacks because they don't like your opinion, well, you know what? You can take their, what, what, what they have to say, and 50 cents will get you right on the bus. I don't even think that would get you a ride on the bus. But no, that's I you know, I, I think that's a good point. And I'm not dwelling on it. I mean, I don't trust me, I get I get I get hate mail every day. Um and so it's not, you know, th- this was just more intense, I think, than usual. Um, obviously because there was a spotlight on me with the article, but 
I, I mean, to me, I think it's very interesting. I think it's an interesting exercise in where we are. And, and I want to stress, I, there, were, there were a lot of very nice messages I got from people, uh, including a lot from people uh, who the audience would probably know. I won't name them because that's not, that's not fair. That well, didn't you know, tell when, if you I look would, at but... the grand scheme of things, <clears throat> the, more, the people that attack you there are such a minuscule microcosm of the whole population. I mean, right. if that's all the time. They get noticed to... more, right? The, 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 the haters get noticed more because they're louder than everybody Yeah, exactly. Else. And if that's all they have to do with their time is sit around and attack you, man, get a life. I mean, I mean if you look at the Facebook comments, on any, thanks for the call, Jim. If you look at the Facebook comments on a lot of the media websites or whatever, I mean, you wonder why? Why is anybody even wasting their time there? Why? Who, who is paying attention to these people? I mean, it's just it's just one idiot shouting over another. You know, rarely do you get anything that's truly insightful or, or truly, you know, meaningful. It's just it's unfortunate. Um, and it's certainly, I mean, I, I get it. I'm a provocative guy. I write things that, that are going to make people mad. I challenge points of view. But I like to think I try to do it in a thoughtful way. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do it to where I can illuminate the issues that even if you disagree with me, you can read it and find value, even if the only thing that I accomplished was to reaffirm things that, that you already believed. If I just made you more convinced of your own argument, well, then fine. I, I think that still has value. But, you know, we, we've got to stop this thing, this, this ad hominem, you know, sort of, you disagree, therefore you're evil, you're racist, you're bigoted. Uh, I'm, I'm going to pretend like I don't even pay attention to you. You know, that's, that stuff's just baloney. And, you know, hope, hopefully we get back past that as a society. I, we never will. I mean, for some people. But and, and again, I think Jim made a good point that, you know, the haters are, are a minority. I, I had so many nice messages from people, uh, too, that was, that was very nice. State Representative Dan Fabian coming on next. We're going to talk about the Line 3 Enbridge Project. Stay tuned for The Rob Report right here on 970 WDAY. Welcome back, Rob Report here on 970 WDAY. We're back to Teal. You actually sound like a normal person. Yeah, I don't have to be on the phone anymore. Just the power came back on, so I was able to hook up, and uh, all is good. 701-293-9000 if you want to join the program. 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We're going to talk about the Enbridge Line 3 pipeline. Uh, There was a Viewpoint column in the Grand Forks Herald recently by Minnesota State Representative uh, Dan Fabian. Uh, He writes, I quote, Time and again we see Minnesota's fundamentally broken regulatory processes hurt our state's economy, and place unnecessary roadblocks in the way of business and job creation. Everyone agrees that we want a regulatory system that protects our environment and our citizens. The state should also be uh, provide a fair regulatory process for businesses looking to build and invest in our state. Unfortunately, instead of finding a common-sense balance on regulating industry and private sector investments, our current system is once again favoring special interests and stalling a key pipeline project in northwest minnesota representative fabian thank you for your time today appreciate it and i i liked your column well thank you i appreciate that rob it's a situation obviously that's uh, near and dear to me i'll say because it does uh, involve uh, uh, the line three replacement i think it's important for people to understand that this is a replacement project and it cuts through the district that i represent kitson and marshall and pennington counties a tremendous amount of economic impact potential available to those counties. 
by replacing line three and uh, our regulatory processes in the state of Minnesota, something that I've been trying to address uh, since I got into the legislature in 2011, trying to get things speeded up and understanding that we want safety and good environmental standards. But when these things, uh, you know, the Sandpiper Pipeline, we worked uh, for a long time trying to get that approved in the state of Minnesota. And at one point, Enbridge just said, no, we're done. We are done fighting this battle, you might say. And and they bought a share in the Dakota Access Pipeline and, and uh, the, the billions of dollars of uh, private investment uh, across the state of Minnesota were lost. You you say that, that Minnesota's got a fundamentally broken regulatory process. Expand on that. What do you mean? Well, uh, the permitting process, environmental review, it goes on and on and on and on. And uh, in this case here with the Line 3 replacement, and people need to understand that um, the, the current line that's in the ground that comes down out of Canada and comes through Kitson County, like I said, and Marshall County and Pennington and across the state over to uh, through Clearbrook uh, area and uh, on over to Duluth and Superior, uh, there's five or six pipes in the ground. They've been there for many, many years. Line three, I believe, is the oldest of the pipes that's in the ground. It's running at about 50% of capacity. And, uh, you know, because of the aging of the pipe, it needs to be replaced uh, for safety purposes. But because it's so old, uh, it's only running at about 50% capacity. So what Enbridge wants to do is to just um, put another pipe in the ground in the same footprint that uh, exists in the uh, easement that they have and uh, and shut that other line down and then use the new line to uh, move the petroleum products uh, out of Canada and down to the refineries in Superior. Which, so, which makes uh, sense. Point, I mean, I, I think something that gets overlooked a lot in these debates is that when we're replacing old pipelines with new pipelines, that is a net improvement when it comes to protecting the environment, right? Because the new pipeline is less likely to have, I mean, it's new, right? I mean, just like you have a newer car, doesn't mean it won't break down. It just means it's probably a lot less likely to break down than your 1972 uh, Datsun or whatever. Uh, so, well, I, I mean, and I, and, yeah, go and ahead. to that point, I would say, Rob, that, you know, the, the cars that were built 40 years ago weren't nearly as uh, well-constructed and safe and so forth as the cars of today. And the same thing with pipeline technology. Uh, the pipelines that are going into the ground in today's world are vastly superior to the pipes that were going into the ground 50, 60 years ago. And the other thing that people need to understand is, and people can Google this, uh, get on your computers, there's about 2.4 million miles of pipes in the ground in the United States right now. And uh, I think that, like you said, this is just a common-sense project to put a, a safer uh, pipe in the ground and, and let's move on. Now, the other thing that's really important is the tax revenue, property tax revenue, that uh, is going to be uh, increased because of the increase in the uh, 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 value of the pipe to townships and counties and school districts along the way. Is, is really significant, too. There's, uh, you know, it's roughly $25 million a year across the state of Minnesota in local property tax relief uh, because Enbridge now will be paying a higher property tax rate. So for me, it's just, it's just common sense. Let's just get this thing done. But uh, the Department of Commerce that's in charge of putting together the draft uh, EIS, which is the Environmental Impact Statement, uh, is now holding more and more public hearings all across the state, and we're just 
uh, holding uh, public hearings, I think, uh, to a point where it's just, it becomes redundant. We've heard the same things. I don't know what new you're going to get. Uh, they've even hired, they've taken a million dollars uh, out of their coffers. It comes from the hardworking taxpayers of the state of Minnesota uh, to hire an independent company uh, to come in and, and run those hearings for them rather than them doing the hearings themselves. And uh, at some point, I, well, just, it, I, I become disappointed it, it, in the process and we need to fix it. We need to move on. You know, what more information well, how, can you possibly gain? Well, let me, let me ask you that question because obviously you're a state lawmaker. What policies would you put in place to fix this, I mean, what what what, what needs to be streamlined? Uh, because I again, I, I think we all want a process that is uh, that that you know people for and against the project, people have concerns can engage in, they can be heard, their concerns can be considered, and we can arrive at you know the, the best balance between protecting the environment but also going ahead with industry and business. So, what needs to change? I mean, do you have specific proposals in mind? Yeah, and one of the things that we did in the last session when we debated the, the, our, our uh, uh, jobs and energy bill on the House floor, uh, Pat Garofalo, the chair of, a, of our jobs and energy committee, actually had an amendment uh, in that floor debate that, in essence, would have just given Enbridge their permit because there's so much frustration um, with, with, the, uh, with the delays in the project. So what, what I would like to do, and I've been working on this since 2011, environmental review and permitting, uh, is very important. We see lots of businesses that choose to uh, locate someplace else because of our regulatory processes. So shortening up some of the timelines, uh, you know, there's no reason in the world, I don't believe, why you have to have 50 different public hearings and public comments, you know, throughout the state. I think we can shorten some of those things up and come to a quicker decision. 701-293-9000, email talk at wday.com if you'd like to speak with State Representative Dan Fabian talking about the Line 3 Enbridge replacement and, and really these projects in general. And, Dan, I, I know certainly we saw here in North Dakota during the Dakota Access Pipeline protest, uh, you know, it's, it's one thing for people with, with, with a genuine interest in making the project better or a genuine interest in protecting the environment. But I think what we saw in North Dakota was that a, a lot of the the most – active opposition, certainly, you know, and, and we saw it escalate in, into violence and a lot of other ugliness over here. Uh, a lot of that came from people who just, it, it, they're almost perverting the process, right? Because to me, the regulatory process is aimed at producing an outcome where we're going we're gonna to build good pipelines, right? Like that's what that regulatory, pro we're going to build good pipelines that have as, as small a risk of failing as, as possible. Um, their goal is, is to pervert that process and use it to, to block building infrastructure at all. Do you see any way to put in safeguards in the system to where we, we, we don't let people like that just completely derail things for years and years on end? Well, you know, we've, there's a, I don't know the exact specifics that we would need in that case, Rob, but you're exactly right. Um, this isn't necessarily about a safe pipeline. You know, we're going to spend, what, $40 million in Moorhead to do that underpass on the railroad crossing there that's uh, bonded dollars out of the state of Minnesota. One of the things I've heard about for two or three years is the tremendous number of oil trains coming out of western North Dakota that's coming through Fargo-Moorhead. And, of course, this is causing traffic snarls and emergency responders and so forth. So in order to mitigate that, we're, uh, we're going to build an underpass. Uh, how we actually get to the point to where we satisfy people enough so that we can 
have a, a discussion about safety and the economy and so forth, uh, there's little doubt in my mind that the ulterior motive of many of these people is to just shut down uh, petroleum. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a whole bigger issue. It's not just about doing something safer and more economically. It's about a philosophy and an agenda that wants to shut down uh, fossil fuels. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think reasonable people can engage in a process and maybe if they don't 100% like the outcome, can at least be satisfied that there was a process and we did the best we can. I, I think the problem we have is a lot of people who engage in these processes go in knowing full well they're never going to be satisfied. There, there's no level of scrutiny. There is no level of process that is ever going to satisfy them because they are, from the get-go, out to block it to begin with. And I, I think that's a real problem. I mean, that that is a stated goal of a lot of the political activists who engage on these policies these days is, is they're going to go in and they're just going to try to throw a monkey wrench in. And, and I don't know that our regulatory processes are, or, or even when, when they leak over into the court system, that we're prepared for that. And, and I, I, I don't, I, sounds like you don't know the policy answer to that. I certainly don't either. We're out of time. The last comment to you. Well, and I would say, too, that even when when the projects go to court and they're litigated there it, uh, and, and the judges say, yes, go ahead and do something, then uh, it, it, it turns right back again. There's another lawsuit. There's another delay. There's things like this. And it's, uh, it's really holding up progress. I've got former students that weld on those pipelines making 40, 50 bucks an hour. And uh, it's, a, it's a big economic engine in northwestern Minnesota. And I certainly hope that we get this thing done because I don't want to see Line 3 not replaced. I've actually stood on the ground where these pipes are, and the farmers who get the easement payments and stuff, they love them. Yeah, well, and that's, and again, I, I think that's another point is the more we replace that aging infrastructure, the safer that infrastructure is, right, if we can do it. But by blocking it, then we continue to be reliant on aging infrastructure, and that has its own problems. Representative Fabian, thank you for your time today. I appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure, Rob. Anytime. Thank you. That's uh, State Representative Dan Fabian talking about the Line 3 project. We'll wrap up the show right after this. This is the Rob Report on 970 WDAY. Don't go anywhere. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. Report here on 970 WDAY 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. We're having a wild one today, Natil. Between uh, my power came, <laughs> my power went out, power came back on, and then uh, I hooked up, and then my internet went out. So in the middle of the interview, I had to switch back over to phone. But hopefully, we're all set up. Uh, Jay Thomas show coming up next. Stay tuned for that. I'll be on with him uh, starting at 2:05. Well, we hope they'll uh, be on with him starting well, at hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, the way things are going, we're not real sure, but we'll try. That's all we can do. Um, great, great talk, Representative Fabian. Uh, you know, it's so frustrating, and I, I really think we've got to look at our regulatory processes around, uh, really just, I mean, not just pipelines, really around just about everything, because it has become a, a, a tactic of the enemies of pipeline construction or, or whatever the project is, it, it has become a tactic 
to just tie it up by any means necessary and, and, and not to engage in the process in good faith, which is to say to, to, to air your grievances, air your, air your criticisms, air your complaints, engage in that process and then produce, you know, but at the end of it, produce an outcome, but rather use it to, to just sort of filibuster projects to death, to just delay, delay, delay to the point where nothing ever gets done. And that's not what the regulatory process is for. You know, I, I don't I don't think that we should necessarily give people who are, you know, against oil development a heckler's veto over pipeline development, because you know what? We all use oil, including them. And if we're going to use oil, we got to get it to market safely. The law allows we have a process established through which things like pipelines can be built. And so. If we're going to use that process, we shouldn't necessarily let it be perverted. We shouldn't let it be taken over. We shouldn't let it be abused by people who are just out to, to filibuster, by people who are just out to delay endlessly. I mean, we don't in, – in the world of free speech jurisprudence, there is a term called the heckler's veto, which is where we don't allow people to stop – preemptively stop speech from happening – because of what they might do, right? So the, the idea is, you know, we can't allow a certain person to speak because these other people are threatening to, buy, to, to, to riot, right? Or, or we, we prevent speech because uh, we think it's so dangerous it might cause something dangerous to happen. We don't do that. We reject that in the area of First, of, of First Amendment law because that makes sense, right? We, we don't want prior restraint. Well, we should, you know, extend that to the regulatory process. We, we cannot allow needed infrastructure we cannot allow commerce and industry and and business to to break down because a relatively small group of what i think is fair to call political extremists are willing to pervert the process and and stop things from going forward just just gum up the works they shouldn't be allowed to do that that's not what those processes are there for like I said, Jay Thomas Show coming up next. Remember, you can always catch me 24 hours a day, seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com or Monday through Friday, 1 to 2 p.m. right here on 970 WDAY. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.